Attention all you sex fiends, sinners, degenerates, and deviants. If you're looking for a hot new sex toy, now is your chance. Sex toys don't care about what's in between your legs, and that's the sign of a true ally. Go to either B-Vibe or Lawand and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 20% off your entire purchase. That's S-E-X-E-D-W-I-T-H-T-I-M for 20% off anything you buy from their websites. Check the show notes for more details. Once again, that's Sex Ed with Tim for 20% off both B-Vibe and Lawan products. Your next orgasm is on me. Mwah! The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I'm a certified sex educator. I identify as chaotically gay. And Megan, I have a question for you. Yes. What is the difference between a magician and a stripper? (laughs) Good question. Tell me. One has a cunning stunt and the other has a stunning cunt. That is amazing. Did you make that up? <laughs> I totally stole it from the internet. I just thought it was oh funny. Gosh. I'm like, but you know I what? I'm it. still going to claim it because <laughs> if you think about it, every stripper out there has the most amazing vulvas I've ever seen in my entire life, which is surprising for people listening to me right now because it's like, you're gay. What are you doing in the strip club? I'm like, so I love the female figure. They're so beautiful to look at. I wish I had yeah. that figure. I think that there's something beautiful too about just being able to enjoy and explore sensuality and sexuality Mm -hmm. in whatever form it takes and not need it to be in these like rigid gender categories. Like, thank you. Why not just go to a strip club and have fun, whoever you are? (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. And like, you know, just treat yourself to some nice, beautiful women dancing on you. Like, I literally one time paid a stripper to for a private and all we did was chat i love it (laughs) like that's it because she wanted to chat i wanted to chat and we just needed somewhere quiet i mean yeah she still gave me a pretty wicked lap dance and i was like (laughs) yes bitch work and then it was just a really fun time we ended up hanging out getting drinks after her shift and then yeah it was really cool and i I feel like more people need to engage in that kind of cool conversation a little totally more. there's so much more to stripping than i think Taking what most people, off. yeah and i think what most people think in their heads is like this one thing but in reality it's like so much more there's like human connection and mm-hmm. entertainment and fantasy and alter egos and like there's just so much to it that's yeah. just so fun to play with for me it's this beauty of like artistry and a bit of athleticism because i'm a pole dancer oh right? yeah and oh that's right yeah. strippers 
Thank you. And strippers and pole dancing go hand in hand. So there's something so pretty about like watching the girls work the pole and taking off their clothes and making it all look so effortless. Ah. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's totally. totally unreal. Oh my God. We've been chatting this far back. We haven't even introduced you to the listeners. So, um, hello. <laughs> I know we're just having a little conversation here. We totally forgot about the ones who are listening to the show right now. So, uh, listeners, that very beautiful voice that you hear on the other end of the mic is none other than Megan Lane, aka the stripper life coach on Instagram. Hey, Megan, how are you doing today? Hello. Thank you for the beautiful introduction. I was also just thinking as you were introducing me, I was like, Wow, we both have these really beautiful, soothing, like velvety voices. We should totally narrate like erotic novels together or something. Like an ASMR <laughs> kind of like, and he started to take my clothes off very slowly and sensually. Yes. I have never had my voice described as velvety. I've been called shrill. So that was How fun. funny. <laughs> no, it's so soothing and just like, oh, ooh, like buttery. I love it. And like, I just had a shit ton of tea to make sure I sound my podcast best right now. <laughs> I know whenever I'm recording my podcast, I'm like drinking tons of water. <laughs> right? I Keep mean, the voice we lubricated. Gotta, we got to give the listeners some ASMR sexy, sensual quality to the show. <laughs> no, not this show. It's totally <laughs> unprofessional. <laughs> Oh my god. But yes, uh, Megan, thank you so much. Uh how about you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you. So I am my name is Megan, and as you heard, I also go by the stripper life coach. And I was a stripper for about eight years on and off and transitioned out of the industry into life coaching. And a couple years into my life coaching path, I was like, I love women in the industry. I really want to support sex workers, strippers. I really just, it was such a passion of mine because I came from that world. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the stripper life coach. I'm going to be the life coach for all the strippers and sex workers. (laughs) I love that. So it's not just strippers that you coach. It's like anyone in the sex work industry then. Correct. Yes. Ooh, I love that so much. So that includes porn stars, OnlyFans, creators, um, what else is there in <laughs> escorts? Yeah. Cam cam models. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. I personally have only done stripping and some like side sex work, but so I don't have experience like in porn or on, you know, on OnlyFans or things like that. Um, but I still bring a lot of the life coaching skills and tools to that industry. Because Mm -hmm. I really feel like it's an industry that's so underserved and there's so much stigma and shame around it that a lot of, a lot of women in that industry and men and whoever, they don't feel comfortable sharing with people, you know, in the outside world and getting the support that they need, whether it be therapists or doctors or, you know, apartment landlords, legal aid, there's so much or financial aid. There's so much that I feel like that industry is kind of closed off from just because of the stigma. And a lot of the workers don't just feel comfortable sharing. So I really love to be that support for 
everyone in that industry who doesn't feel they have the resources to tap into. Because I know what it's like to be in that industry. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. me too. I was an escort for like four-ish years. Um, I totally understand where it comes that like um the feeling of insecurity. You know, just just like. Uh, do I ask for help? Is it okay for me to like disclose that I'm fucking people for money? Totally, right? especially weird. with a doctor but, uh, when you're getting a uh, checkup, you're like, ah. yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, as we're recording this right now, I'm recovering from some anal fissures, Megan. So, oh, um, <laughs> those are painful. I hear <laughs> they suck. Oh, they suck so much. I'm oh, so sorry God. for your poor anus. Oh, my anus will recover. It has gone through worse, but um. I am relying on a little wad of tissue to hold me together right now Oof. to keep the Red Sea from parting. Oh my so, goodness. Um, <laughs> well, my best friend is an acupuncturist and she is wanting to work on a line right now that's all about um, like genital care for anyone. Mm. And um, she put some herbs together. So if I can get my hands on some, I will, I will ship you some. <laughs> Please, because my anus has gone through so much wear and tear <laughs> so to speak <laughs> we need to give it some love some nourishing love <laughs> i've been like putting cbd and polysporin on it so just anything to help reduce the stinging but um anyways back on track um you were talking about like the stigma of sex work and i was wondering in your opinion what exactly do you think that is or if it's just more than just one stigma Mm, that's such a great question. When I think of stigma towards sex workers, I think of the the spoken and unspoken cultural ideas and stories that we tell about people who engage in sexual activity in exchange for money. And I'll give you an example. One experience that I had recently, I was around a group of girls, women, And one of them was talking about someone that she knows personally, she's very close with, um, their new girlfriend, and was saying like, oh, I don't know if I like her because she was like dancing like a stripper. And of course, this person doesn't know my history, my background. She was like, Mm. I don't know. She was like dancing like a stripper and just seemed kind of like whatever, kind of in a judgy way. And later in the weekend, we also saw a woman crossing the street who's in a really cute little dress and like high heels. And I thought she looked Love cute. It. I was like, working nice girl. Nice pleasers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. I don't think she was a working girl that night. I think she was just a normal girl out on the town. Just a regular human being. Just, just a human being like out on the town. And there was some comment that was made like, oh, like is she is she like working tonight? And it was kind of in this judgmental way. And I was just like, Ew. huh, interesting. And it was around a group of people that were new to me. I don't know them. So I found it interesting of like not really sure what to say because obviously it could have been a two-hour conversation of me educating them like, well, here's why, you know, your statement is perhaps ignorant or – yeah, mm. <laughs> exactly. <Not laughs> kind of gross. Mm. <laughs> but I think that that – represents so much of what our cultural narrative is around strippers and sex workers. It's just this kind of like, oh, ew, that they're slutty or dirty or gross or whatever. And the reality is- actually all compliments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> slutty, dirty, and gross. I mean, to me, they are. Yes. But I get it. I, I get love it. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that 
I love that you reclaim that because in, in mainstream society, that's not what we're taught is okay and good, quote unquote. Mm. And I think especially being raised as a, a female, I totally got that story from the older women in my family. Like, you know, oh, she looks this or that. And it's like there there was that story of you have to be a good girl and nice and not dirty and not give it up too soon. All oh, the things. God, that's and so it's exhausting. Just, yeah. So I think when I when I consider what stigma is, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And of course, I'm sure there's so many more layers to that. I think another thing that really comes to mind recently is how OnlyFans is transitioning out of media of that's yeah, yeah that's related to adult content, mm-hmm. and you know just how like the SESTA and FOSTA bills have impacted workers, and how much there's a stigma against those who sell their sexuality for money, or or who are professional sex workers or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's this, you know, there there's all of these political agendas against them, of right, but not mm-hmm. towards the men who sell pornography or the companies mm. who sell pornography you know it's just oh so many God. layers men thriving in work that's surprising what <laughs> right right nobody bats an eyelash yeah but, that's so weird but for women and strippers and sex workers it's so like oh yeah no that's so like where's this double standard coming from and also like why is it that when I use my gigantic dick to make money, everyone judges me? But when I use my gigantic brain, all of a sudden it's like, okay, you, that's a dignified thing. It's both are my body. Hmm. What, what, what makes one worse than the other? Huh? It's, it's weird. I, I truly do not understand because it's like, um, breaking news, people. All labor under capitalism is exploitative. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you're a stripper, a porn actor, or like a financial district bro, you're all fucked. <laughs> yeah. <Thank you. laughs> so we're all just trying to get through here. We're all in the same game. We just have different controllers. Totally. Totally. <laughs> oh, my God. So I am in Canada. I have no idea exactly what SESTA FOSTA was because you brought it up a little bit a while ago. Can you clarify what that is? Yeah. So the SESTA and FOSTA bills, I, oh gosh, I cannot remember the acronym at the moment for both of them. But essentially what they were created for a couple of years ago was to, quote unquote, help eliminate sex trafficking. But really what it did is it took away all online platforms for sex workers to be visible to their clientele. Mm. So there were there were websites like, I think there was one called Backpages and some other ones. Mm. And those were websites where sex workers could advertise their services and screen clients and share information about customers and clients and all kinds of stuff. So this was like the lifeblood of sex workers is being able to be visible online through whatever platforms or websites. and Especially in the time of a pandemic when, you know, we're all digital. Totally. And these bills came before the pandemic too. So I want to say they were like, so my timeline was a little off. I want to say they were like two years before the pandemic even happened, two or three years. And 
essentially what happened is it really just took sex workers' ability to advertise, get clients regularly, screen safely, make sure that they were in safe working conditions. It took all of that away because now they were targeting all of these websites and shutting them down in under the guise of, but we're protecting victims of sex trafficking by mm. doing this. And I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but from what I've heard from people in the industry, what it did was actually push a lot of it underground. And so it made working conditions more unsafe for workers and also didn't make it easier to catch sex traffickers and all of that. But there was all this media hype about, oh, we caught these, you know, sex traffickers and child traffickers and whatever. But really, I don't think from what I heard, it was the amount of success that they thought it would be. So it was really just kind of like this backhanded slap towards sex workers, like, fuck you. Oh, sorry. Can I cuss on this podcast? I cuss okay. however the fuck you want, girl. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about your anal fissures, so I guess yeah, I should have indicated. <laughs> the big gaping fucking hole in my anus right now. <laughs> we're way past class. No, that, yeah, that is um, unreal. I mean, to combine church and state and not be productive? What? Who's heard of that before? No, that's so weird how, about how they're trying to, like, you know, force their morals on you because they're trying to, quote, unquote, prevent sex trafficking. And obviously, like, sex trafficking is disgusting and it is abhorrent. It's gross and not cute at all. But there are people in the sex industry who are there willingly right like me and you we were like in sex work because we wanted to do the fucking work right totally. so i don't get where this whole like holier than thou kind of attitude comes into play in enacting a law that is under the guise of oh i'm just trying to protect you babe like um really yeah did you ask me <laughs> Did you bother asking me? Yeah, that? really? Because yeah. I just want to make as much money as white men make as... in corporate. Like, that's it. <laughs> You're trying to protect me from that? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Oh, my God. Megan, when I was, like, back in the game, I had to work, like, five shifts to earn what my white friends earned in two shifts. And I'm like, <sighs> I just, like, it, and it started to, like, fuck with my brain like i wish i had less melanin or like whatever and it was it was so toxic i like i couldn't and that was kind of like part of the reason why i started to phase out of sex work but different conversation um i want to ask you more because like where you are now i'm pretty sure was not just an overnight thing so let's rewind back in time to how you got started in stripping first of all walk us through like your day-to-day -day routine as a stripper what made you decide to want to be a stripper like you know take us back i love this i started stripping at 18 mainly because i started dating this guy who was working as an artist for like one of the corporate offices for strip clubs. And he was like, well, this is something that could make you really good money. Like you should totally do it. And I was like, okay. And I don't think I was really so much like, I, I don't think I ever thought about being a stripper before. I don't think I was necessarily like interested in the content of the work itself. I was just kind of like, all right, like 
I moved out from home. I think I had always felt like more mature than my age. So the kind of internal pressure to provide for myself and be independent at a young age was always there for me. Um, Not to mention when I was 15, I moved out of my mom's house and moved in with my grandma. You know, so I was already going through transitions when I was young and going through transitions of really having to look out for myself, take care of myself, mature more quickly mentally and emotionally. So when I turned 18, I was just ready to like move out and do my own thing and be an adult. And, you know, part of that came from not really having a supportive home environment growing up and, you know, going through like physical and emotional abuse from my mother and like just dealing with all kinds of chaos. But then when I was 18, um, someone I knew very close to me also got into porn because she really wanted to do it. And I guess she had like had this fantasy for a long time. And so that's how I got introduced to the guy that I started dating. And so like, it was just kind of, I don't know, it was just kind of this thing was like, you should do it. It makes you money. And I was like, all right, well, I got no other plans for my life right now. (laughs) I love how you just went into it without question. That takes cojones. Like, damn, girl. (laughs) I think I've always been a pretty open, curious person. And yeah, I think I just, I don't know, just seemed like something to try. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think part of that was like age and like being young and naive a little bit, like not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And like, I think Isn't also that where all the best stories come from. <laughs> yes. Being young, naive and yeah. dumb and full of cum. Um <laughs> Yes, most definitely. <laughs> so what was your first day like at the club? I don't remember exactly, but I do remember like two funny experiences when I was brand new. I remember my audition where I was supposed to take off all of my clothes, so my top and mm-hmm. my bottoms, and I forgot to take off like half of my outfit because I was just like, you know, you get on stage and it's just like you black out, you know, like I just totally blacked out. I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) The job description is literally in the name strip (laughs) to take off half your clothes. Right. That's so funny. they like they t- and also the funny thing was like they told me beforehand like you're going to go up to like three songs or whatever it was, take off both your tops and your bottoms. And I get up there and I only took off like half of it. Like I don't know. And I honestly I can't even remember if I took off just my bottoms or just my top. Oh my god. So I had so to like so I came down and I had to like re-audition because they were like, "Okay, you didn't take off your clothes. You have to go up again." <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. So I went you up again. to take off the most important thing. I went up again. It was so funny. And then I got hired. And then I don't remember if this was my first shift or just like when I was still new, but I started working at a club that was known for quote unquote extras. And I didn't like know anything, which is like basically- extras. Basically, it's where um, the dancers can offer whatever whatever level of service they want to, not legally, of course, but it was known for like, oh, if you go to this club, like you'll get taken care of in whatever way you want, just you know, whatever the price is, kind of thing. So, oh, that extra, got yeah. It, got so, it, got so it, got some it. strip clubs, in my experience, aren't like they don't have extras. They're very just like you know. 
what you see is what you get, dances, hanging out, drinks, whatever. And then other strip clubs are known for extras and known for, you know, an extra level of service. Mm. So the first club that I started at was like that. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what it was like to be in that industry because I was brand new. And I remember this customer was like, um, he asked me, he was like, oh, can I touch myself while you like while you dance for me? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Let me go ask the bouncer. (laughs) 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 Went and asked the bouncer and I was like, "Uh, is it okay if he like plays with himself while I dance for him? And he was like, he looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. (laughs) He was like, "Uh, basically it's just like whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so funny because looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, that was a respectful customer. You know, he was trying to be cool. Like, hey, is this cool with you if I do this? But I was just brand new and I was like, oh, I don't know. Hold on. Let me go ask. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, you know what? That's really funny and like... (laughs) That's kind of cute that you would like go up to the bouncer and be like, "Is can he masturbate?" Yeah, <laughs> the bouncer would be like, "I don't fucking know. That's his dick. You ask him." <laughs> exactly. Like as long as you hand him a napkin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or just like as long as he tips well. Yeah. <laughs> which is the most important. I and, feel like that's no, what that's the bouncer really should have told me. As long as he tips well. <laughs> as long as he tips well, I feel like you know what? That's the answer everyone should give. When you're in the club. It's like, can I do this? Can I do this? As long as you tip. As long as you yeah, tip. As long as you tip oh, really yeah. well. <laughs> really, really well. Right. And also, like, it, that's very, like, considerate of him to be like, I'm not just going to whip out my dick in front of you. Like, is that cool? Yeah. Totally. Because okay. so many customers wouldn't ask. They would just be like. Whoosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Oh, oh my gosh. God. It's, it's weird. Like, when I was in a private and then. I was, like, next to a bunch of other, like, straight dudes getting their own private dance. One of the strippers, like, fully was like, no, don't touch me. And then I was like, oh, boy, that's a little, um, hmm, I wonder what he did to, like, get a shout, get a scolding, a a wag of the finger, you know, from a stripper. Like, damn. How hard is it to ask to do things? (laughs) Which is so funny, too, because I think there's also that kind of mentality that's like, oh, if you're a stripper or a sex worker, that means I just have the right to touch you or be with you in whatever way I want to. And it's like, no, consent still matters. We are still human beings, even though this is our profession. We still deserve that that level of respect and common decency. Mm -hmm. Like. If you want me to have sex with you, then pay up. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> like, it is up to my discretion to give out the goods for free to whoever I want. But if you're really ugly looking, you're going to have to pay extra. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had some very ugly clients in the past. I was like, oh, God, okay, 250 No, 300 for the hour, babe. Just, mm, mm. You're making me do some more mental gymnastics just for me to get turned on. Ugh. Yeah, and it's work. And like, you know what? I got my money's worth and I was uh, pretty good. But speaking of mental gymnastics, what was like the mental preparation for you like when you were going out, getting ready to show everything? Hmm. 
Well, my first four years of dancing were very different from my last four years of dancing. Mm. And that's because my first four years, I really was just still very new, still learning the ropes, and still had a lot of my own internalized shame and stigma around my work. And the last four years that I worked were very different. Like it was very much so an experience that I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to love it and I'm going to learn how to do it and like feel really good about it. So I feel like my preparation in those two different experiences were also very different. I feel like in my first four years, it was kind of just like, you know, getting ready, doing the hair, makeup, all that jazz, and then just like kind of going out and hoping for the best. And then also like going home and like not feeling super great about my work, taking a lot of days off and just kind of like, you know, resting. And and I don't feel like I really had a super healthy mental and emotional lifestyle at that time, but I was very active physically. Like I was very much so like into working out and like trying different things to just keep my body physically strong and, and well. Cause you know, as you know, that work is like pretty hard on the body. Um, and I would say my last four years of dancing, the preparation was a lot more like getting myself in the positive in the zone. My, yeah, getting in the zone, like really tapping into my vibe as a like I like to think of myself when I was in that work as like a sexual healer, as a temple priestess, as just like this sacred slut. And I really liked to embody and we that. Are, yeah, yeah. We so are. when we go to work, mm-hmm. totally, totally. So I really liked to get into that energy before work, and like really just kind of get into that energy of like, okay, who am I going to interact with tonight, and just be the most amazing time they've ever had, and how can I have the best time tonight? And I also started listening to a lot of podcasts that were about like you know just personal growth and like mindset and like all that stuff. So I was listening to Life Coaches podcasts and going into work and I was like, all right, like this is going to be a good night. So it was very different in those first four years compared to the last four years. But uh, yeah, I feel like that sort of embodying the sacred slut was a huge part of it. Okay. No, yeah, I can imagine because when we're, you know, sex workers, we give so much of ourselves almost quite literally so like it takes a lot of mental preparation and a lot of mental aftercare after each you know shift um did you have any sort of like mentorship or formal training when i think of this i like think of um jennifer lopez and hustlers where she's like training the the new the new girl oh my gosh i love that movie oh such a good movie but yeah like did you have anyone to look up to or like someone to like model yourself after when you were uh, in the industry? That's a good question. I really didn't. I And I think a lot of people, I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people don't have that kind of mentorship like that, like was displayed in that movie. I think there's a lot of, a lot of times where it's kind of just like, all right, here you go. And you just get like tossed into the frying pan and it's like, all right, oh, like, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I really had to learn as I went. It was a huge, it was a huge learning and growing process for me, which is why I think it took me four years to really get into a good flow with it and like make good money and 
be good on my hustle and like enjoy it because I really like had to learn a lot by myself. And I think that also too, when I was dancing, like we have so much on social media now, like there's you, there's me, there's all kinds of people on social media who are sharing their journeys and who are a lot more vocal about it. And like, you know, we're, we are like removing the shame. But when I first started dancing, I don't even think Instagram was like barely a thing. Like I think it was brand new. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that type of connection online or social media. And it was just so much of like doing it all my own kind of thing. Right. So you really were like your own boss, your own mentor. You had to learn the ropes. You had to navigate this industry with no guidance whatsoever. I mean, I think that's probably what makes you who you are now, right? The stripper life coach. So um, now that you have had all of this experience under your belt, you have transitioned out of it into becoming a life coach. Can you tell us more about like how or what went into making that decision to leave stripping to go into coaching? Mm, yeah. So kind of just to back up a little bit, a big reason why I stayed dancing for so long was because for the first four years, I didn't really feel like I had other options. And I always felt like I wanted to do something else, but I just didn't know what it was. And at one point I was even going to school and thought that I was going to go to school for psychology and become a therapist. But when I started looking at transfer programs to like, you know, transfer into like a psychology program, I was seeing all this stuff like having to do clinicals and like research and just all this boring shit that I was like, this is not what I want to do. I like, I do not want to help people in this way. This is, this is not me. This sort of like rigid, like get your college education and go to school and then get a job and like work 40 hours a week for the, oh, whatever. It's just, yeah, it just, it did not feel like me, even though I love learning and I love personal development and I loved being in school, but I hated the box that I felt like I would be in. Being forced in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for a long time when I was dancing, I didn't feel like I wanted to be a dancer. I didn't feel like I wanted to be there. I didn't enjoy it. I had a boyfriend that like made me feel gross about it. So I had a lot of internalized shame and stigma around it. And there came a point where I had tried to quit dancing a few times and I had done other jobs. You know, I worked in restaurants and I worked as a personal assistant and I worked as a personal trainer and a yoga teacher. And like, I tried different things, but like none of them provided the financial abundance and security that dancing provided for me. And so I'd always go back to dancing. And every time I would go back, I would just feel like shit about it. I was like, oh, like, why can't I change my life? This sucks. Like, you know, like, what is that thing that's going to be for me that, that I can pursue that will feel like my purpose and my path and will feel really meaningful and also provide for me in the same way that dancing provides. And it took me a long time to figure out what that was. But it came to this point in my dancing career where I was like, okay, I am going to go back to dancing. It was during a time where I tried to quit and I was like really struggling. And I would always like whenever I would quit dancing, I'd be like super stressed out, like, you know, eating like super cheap and just like I wasn't emotionally and mentally well because I was 
like on the rat race, like everybody else, you know, like working minimum wage. And like, so I wasn't in a good place whenever I would quit dancing. And then there was this one particular moment in my life where I was like, okay, if I'm going to go back to dancing, there's a reason. If I keep going back to dancing, there is a reason here for me. There's a lesson. There's something I'm supposed to be here for. So I'm just going to learn how to love it and show up purposefully as a stripper. And whatever happens, like I know that I'm going to keep growing and I'm going to eventually find my career that I really want that feels really in alignment for me. But right now I have to learn how to love it because it's, it's too, it's just too taxing on my mental and emotional health to hate it and to feel bad about it and to feel like there's something wrong with me. So like, fuck it, I'm going to choose it and I'm going to love it and I'm going to make it the best time ever. (laughs) So I went back to dancing and I did that. Like I really made it a point to show up as a dancer, really believing fully that I was supposed to be there for however long I was there. And I really made it my purpose at that time in my life to be on the path that I was on, even if I wanted something different, you know, even if I thought that my career should be something different, I made it a point to love where I was at because I knew that if I had to keep going back, there must be some life lesson here for me. There must be something meaningful that that my life is supposed to evolve from this. And so like during the last four years that I was dancing, I had so much fun. I I switched clubs. I like had a better club that was just so much more fun. The customers were super fun. I like loved all of my customers. And I just had a great time. And I really like embraced my sexuality, my sensuality. Um, I learned a lot more about destigmatizing the sex industry and just like such a different experience in my last four years. But there was always something inside of me, like from the beginning, I would say from the time I was 19. I got introduced to like Native American sweat lodges and like personal growth and spiritual stuff. So there was always something inside of me that was like, I want to do something in the personal growth, like helping, supporting other people. I just didn't know what it was. And I honestly don't remember what it was exactly that made me realize that I wanted to be a life coach. But there was just a moment in time where I I think I had hired a couple life coaches And I was already doing that work and I was already studying and like, you know, doing my own personal growth work. And then I just realized, I was like, I want to be a life coach. This is, this is for me. This is not the rigid box of like, get a degree, get a job, do that whole thing. It was very much so this new world of opportunity and possibility where I could help people and I could create abundance and wealth for myself using just my creative ideas and my brain and my, you know, what I was passionate about and excited about. So it really was just this kind of thing where it just felt like, yes, this feels like me and this is what I want to do. And it kind of almost in a way sometimes feels like it chose me and not not I chose it because it feels like it was just one of those things where I was like, yes, this feels good. This is what I want to do. Oh, I love that because that really resonates with me. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Yes. What's up, all you sick fucking perverts? Don't you just love love? The Love Shop has everything you need to feel the love in the air or in between your legs, wherever you want, really. 
They've got everything from vibrators, lubes, lingerie, and even full-sized sex dolls. <laughs> wow, I guess love really does come in all shapes and sizes. Visit loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and use code sexedwithtim at checkout for 15% off the whole store. And the best part is that they ship all over Canada, US, and what? Ireland? To all my whores in Dublin, top of the morning to ya. <laughs> That's loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and check out code sexedwithtim for 15% off the entire store. Now get to fucking. Do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy? Of course you do. Only my listeners are sexy as fuck. I have partnered with fetishwear designer Dale Kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps, harnesses, hats, and more. Head over to dalekuda.com, that's D-A-L-E-K-U-D-A.com, and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me. 25% off. And cherry on top. Free shipping, oh my god. <laughs> I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me, and girl, I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train, I'm just like, uh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code SEXEDWITHTIM for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets, honey. <laughs> the show is about to begin. Yes. When I was escorting um, around like the end of my escorting time, I was starting to feel like, you know what? This no longer serves me. Like, yes, it was serving me, and I really did enjoy the work. I don't regret it at all whatsoever. But now it's just like, after going to school, after living life a little bit, my calling and the universe, or however you want to call it, God or whatever, I feel like it's pulling me somewhere else. So then I was like... Uh, in a trip to New York, and I sat down at a Starbucks with a friend who then asked me all about anal sex because I'm gay, so clearly I know all about anal, because she wanted to have anal with her boyfriend. And um, <laughs> what turned out to be one tiny question turned into, like, an entire-ass lecture on how to fuck you in the ass. And that's where I was like, wow, my fire has been relit. You know, not just about sex, but teaching about sex so i love that you shared that kind of like um come to jesus moment or like that self-realization of like you know what i'm going to use my experience in this specific area that people need to know about to make other people's lives better oh my god yeah i love uh, that for you megan thank That's you so cool. That's so cool. i love oh that you god. said that there was that that realization for you too where it was like oh this this no longer serves me and i think that that like that was such an experience for me too where it was like even in the last four years when i was loving dancing when i was i had a really good relationship with dancing i still felt this feeling inside of like and i want to do something different mm -hmm. and i'm ready yeah. and i think that that 
sometimes it's so hard for people to grasp that concept. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll share. Yeah. Sometimes I'll share, you know, on my Instagram page about this concept and I get some like pretty angry strippers who are like, what are you saying? <laughs> what do you mean that you stripping mean? is what? Yeah. Like, what do you mean we should quit stripping? And I'm like, no, no, no. You can love stripping. Yeah. You can love something and also be ready to move on. Like also yeah. be ready to do something different with your life. And not that one is better than the other, but just I think when we have that soul's calling to do something different with our life or just do something with our life, like mm-hmm. when we have that soul calling, we should go for that. We should pursue that because that's that's breadcrumbs that are like dropping little hints. It's like, exactly. hey. Your yeah. life is meant for a lot of things, a yeah. lot of purpose. It's meant for growth, not it's stagnant. It's for growth. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, it's okay for you to hold on to that really ugly t-shirt that you used to like, but go buy some new clothes, goddammit. <laughs> Move on to the next fashion thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like your profession, whether it be stripping, culinary arts, uh, fashion, whatever right? It's okay to love that old thing and then look towards bigger and better things for you as long as it serves you and let go of the things that no longer serve you because newsflash, people change. Yes. <laughs> did you know people grow, Megan? Did you know people evolve? Really? Wait. Yeah, I did not know how, that. This is, this is baloney. What? Mind-blowing facts. People are allowed to mature and evolve and change their minds about stuff. I it's had amazing. no idea. It's amazing. I know. Wild. So wild. <laughs> so um, jumping into where you are now as a stripper life coach, what are some of the things that your clients face? Or like, do you notice a pattern in terms of uh, mental blocks or common insecurities, um, shame, things that you need to unpack? Um Walk us through like the mindset of your clients, if it's okay to share. I mean, you don't have to get too specific. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love this question. And there's, gosh, there's so many, there's so many aspects of this, but I would say I'll kind of go through some of the themes here, but I really support strippers and sex workers with a couple of things, making their experience really good while they're still in the industry. And that involves a lot of destigmatizing, removing shame, learning how to love it. Um, not that that's the right way to do it, but I did it and it made it a pretty enjoyable experience. So I help, I help strippers and sex workers with that. And then I also help them create their own businesses and become entrepreneurs and quit the industry when they're ready. So I help them make an exit plan from the industry. If they want to quit. If they want to quit. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, there's no like rush or pressure. It's just like, Hey, like when feels good for you? Three years? cool. Let's work with that. Five years. Cool. One year. Cool. Let's work with it. So yes, if they want to quit. And some of the, some of the things that I see most in those kind of experiences that I, that I help them with are number one, they're not enjoying the club. They have a lot of like internalized shame or stigma. Also, I see a penis pillow behind you and I love it. (laughs) My guest for today's show I and every show it. moving forward. That is an epic penis pillow. <laughs> He's huge. His name's Dicky. I love it. <laughs> okay, sorry to sorry to interrupt. I was just like you. Sorry, he wanted to you, say hi. He you turned and hi. I was like, "What is that penis pillow?" I love it. <laughs> Full length, actual size. Love it. 
Okay. So um, a lot of like internalized shame and stigma, of course, not enjoying the industry, not enjoying the work. Um, also too, like not maybe making as much money as they want to be making, um, you know, wanting to like attract different customers, like all sorts of things like that. And I would say in that area, one of the biggest things that I support my clients with is really getting to this place where they can remove the judgment from their work and therefore remove the judgment from themselves so that they don't have this looming cloud over their head on a daily basis of like, ugh, I'm a stripper or a sex worker, right? So I help them with that aspect so that they can show up to their life and not feel so ashamed of who they are and what they're doing for work. And I think that's such a a big important part of it because I don't think that we can really grow and move forward in our lives if we don't like who we are. And if there's an aspect of ourselves that we are denying or pushing down or hiding. So I really love being able to embrace these aspects of us and get to a place where there's no shame in who we are or what we do. There's just us and our life and our world and let's embrace it and learn to love it and learn to not judge it by society's standards, but just to see it for what it is and embrace what it gives us, the opportunities it provides for us. So that's that one piece. sounds like a big ask. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not an overnight one session kind of thing to embrace and release shame. Oh boy. Yeah. It's definitely an ongoing work in progress for sure. And also, too, it's amazing how easy it can be when we have just the simple shifts in our mindset of looking at it from, okay, what, like something that I always teach my clients is that our thoughts are what create results in our lives because our thoughts influence how we feel and our feelings drive the actions that we take and our actions produce results. And the circumstances that we experience are neutral experiences and we apply meaning to those experiences. We have our own interpretations, our own projections. So a lot of times my clients will say to me like, oh, but like sex work is dirty or whatever, or, you know, people won't respect me or, you know, they'll say to me and I'm like, really? Because that's just a circumstance in the world. But like, how do you even know that's true? Is it because someone told you that? Or is it because you genuinely think that? Like you were born just thinking sex work is dirty. Or is it because of all the stories that you've been told? And if we really break that down and look at it as something that's just a neutral circumstance and your thoughts are optional about it, what do you want to choose to think about it? You can keep choosing to think that it sucks and it's dirty and keep feeling like shit about yourself and your life, or you can choose to look at it from a different perspective. You can choose to look at it as something that you have chosen that supports you in your life and offers you opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have had otherwise. You can look at it. And it can be sustainable. And it can be. Yeah. And you can choose to look at it as something that is a valuable service that people pay for. You can choose to open your perspective to all of the sacred texts about sacred spirit, uh, sacred sexuality and the temple priestesses and the sacred sluts and like what a divine role these people played in society and the evolution of consciousness and, and sexuality. So that's something that I do with my clients where I'm like, okay, like let's really look at it. Let's let's look at like what is it really and how do you really want to think about it? Because the choice is yours. 
And you can either choose to feel like shit about it, or you can choose to look at it in a new light and release this burden of shame in your life and live your life in a way where you feel free, where you don't have this shame, where you love yourself and you accept yourself and you see yourself as whole and complete no matter what work you're doing. Oh my God, that's so... It, it it feels nice to hear another person talk about like mindset because um my therapist has me reading mindset by carol s dweck and oh you know I love it? it yes have you heard of it yeah yeah so uh in the book she talks about a uh, fixed mindset and growth mindset and it seems like a lot of people are stuck in the fixed mindset where it's like um, there's a finality to things, right? Where we think of one thing and there's always going to be an end result and it's a dead end. So in the case of stripping, um, you think that you're not going to be able to make enough money and then this is the, this is it for me. This is the end of the road for me. I don't have anything else better to do. Um, this is all I'm good for. Whereas a growth mindset is more of like, you know what? I am presented with a challenge. How can I use the cards stacked against me to my advantage? How can I uh, make the best out of this situation? And how can I slowly start to build things and make things work in my favor? Where can I put the energy into to serve me? You know, and I love that. I just love that that's the approach that you go with for your clients. And I'm just like, snaps for you, Megan. Yeah. Thank you. Delta New, very legally blonde, bend and snap kind of stuff. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And I love what you said, like, just the way you explained that process of like, okay, I can either look at it as I'm stuck here or I can look at this as an opportunity to grow and figure it out. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such a beautiful process. And like another piece of what I support my clients with too is like so many of them have this idea that stripping sex work is what provides for them and there's nothing else that will. And that jobs are scary, career development is scary, you know, all these other things are scary and they're just going to be stuck dancing or doing sex work forever. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, too. Like, there are some really old strippers, and they're still making good money. Yes. (laughs) Actually, funny little side story. My first strip club that I worked in, there was a really old stripper in there. I mean, like, not really old in, like, society, you know, like, in, like, mainstream. But as a stripper, Uh I think she was, like, in her, like, mid to late 60s, like, uh still dancing. And she made good money. And I was like, damn. Damn, girl. Yes. Yeah. I wish I could get that much money stripping at 60. Oh my God. It was amazing. Yeah. I love that. But not that there's anything wrong with it, but like so often I see in my clients that there's this sense of, I won't be able to do anything else with my life, even if I wanted to. So I really work with them on rearranging that story and that belief of like, well, why not? What is possible for you? How do we work our way to get there? Maybe this isn't all that's available to you to you if you want something else it's possible to create it so how do we begin to take those steps and open up the mind to you know from this pers- perspective of like this is the way it is and it i won't have anything else to hey maybe there's something maybe something is possible maybe there is something mm-hmm. different for me if i want to create it 
maybe I want to like strip and sell scented candles and then, you know, start a business on top of being a stripper because I love doing the work I do now as a sex educator while keeping my nine to five corporate job because it pays the bills. And everybody knows living in the city is really fucking expensive, so, you know, it's kind of a necessity. But I'm not going to look at my situation as, like, I'm stuck here and I'm forced to be here. But rather, you know what? This is what's serving me and it's what's keeping me afloat. And I'm kind of lucky for that, if you think about it. So I feel like... um if your clients can take on that like sort of mindset, they would be, you know, a little more where we are now, you and I, Megan, like, you know what? I'm, I should be happy that I have this opportunity to strip, to use my sexuality, to make money. And I can still pursue, I don't know, a college education, a trade or modeling career, anything, like literally anything. Just like starts within you. Just do something, oh. anything. <laughs> anything. Oh yeah. my God. You're so uh. smart too to do it that way. That's something that I always recommend. I'm like, okay, listen, we're not just going to like pull the rug out from under you, like quit stripping and like do something different. Like mm -hmm. let's just start to introduce something new. Like having multiple streams of income or a diverse life experience I think it just Smart starts moves. to open up the door for so many more opportunities because mm -hmm. it starts to open up our mind to like, oh yeah, there are other things that I can do. And as long as we're just getting out there and trying something, it's even if it's not the, you know, end like goal for our life, like maybe your nine to five isn't your end goal for your life. But oh, hell no. like regardless, you're gonna learn and gain so many skills and so much experience that will contribute to your mm -hmm. life overall. So like if you were to reject that corporate job just because you're like, oh, like that's not what I want to do, you would miss out on all of the opportunity for not only financial stability and benefits and, you know, like a stable schedule and all that, but also the experiences that you're getting that will continue to contribute to your life's work. Like fucking a bunch of sugar daddies. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> let's be clear here Megan the only reason I work in the financial district is to fuck all the closeted executives up at the top <laughs> I love it <laughs> and the benefits thank you for the bank paying these $5,000 choppers those are some nice teeth thank you they are so bleached right now and they are the only straight thing about me <laughs> <laughs> no but um yeah it, it's totally like um relatable and real because um i did that in the latter years of my escorting when i was with a pimp my pimp and i she negotiated with me a sunset clause where i decided that you know what i can't really do this as much anymore because my mental health is taking a toll my physical health as well so we started doing this thing where, you know what, we're going to start reducing the number of clients that you see in a month so that you can go do what it is that you need to do and transition out of it in a very fiscally responsible and mentally healthy way. And I found that really, like, considerate and generous of hers because um, 
as I transitioned out of escorting, I was thinking about going back to school and picking up a job like uh, at corporate. So yeah, like it's okay for you to let go and like not all not all at once, right? Have have that plan. A lot of people they kind of just you know go with their gut and just like drop everything and it's so romanticized in movies and it's just like is that really what you want to want to do is that smart in today's economy especially in a pandemic sometimes it works out but most of the time it's just really fucking hard (laughs) and it's nice to have a little bit of that cushion and financial stability to to like work through those those challenges and that growth process When we're talking about financial stability as a stripper, because this is something I'm curious about, how how do you have the conversation with your clients when they want to have sustainable income as a sex worker? I'm curious what, like, what specifically or what aspect of that question do you mean? Like, how do you go about helping clients who say, I'm not making enough money as a stripper? And then, like, where does that conversation lead? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, So a lot of times when clients come to me and they're saying, oh, I want to make more money or I didn't have a good night, what we'll focus on is what aspects of their work are the things that need tweaking. So it might be like consistency in their schedule. It might be mindset and energy. Um, It might be just simple little like sales skills that need improving that they never thought of. So I kind of like to get a sense of, okay, what does your work look like? Like, what does your shift look like? How often do you work? Um, When do you go in? How long are you working for? Um, How much money are you making? And how much money do you see other top earners making in your your club or where you're working. And then I'll kind of ask like, okay, what is your energy like? Like what are you going into work feeling like, oh, I hope I make money tonight or like I need to make money or you're going in with this kind of desperate graspy energy or are you going in with this energy of like feeling abundant, showing up as your best, feeling super confident and knowing that you can make money no matter if it's a slow night or not. So the first, the first most important thing is to be in the mindset of making money. And that's just being in good energy. Cause like nobody likes to dance with a miserable stripper. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, do you like my big titties? (laughs) Daddy paid for it. And also I want to (laughs) die. God. It's so different than going in and connecting with someone who's like genuinely enjoying themselves. They're confident. They're easy to be around. They're easy to get along with. Like it's so such a different energy. So I first start with like energy and mindset. And then I also like teach little things that worked for me when I was dancing like verbiage and language. And something that I teach my clients is being the most confident energy in the room. And so it's the difference between approaching a customer and saying, would you like a dance? Like, say you're talking to them for a few minutes and saying like, oh, would you like a dance? Because then you're asking and then you're like, oh, I'm not sure. 
But if you're talking to someone and you're the most confident energy in the room, you might like you might be thinking in your head like I'm going to give them the most amazing time ever. Their like their money is going to be well spent on me. They're going to have the best time. So you'd be chatting with them and instead of asking for a dance, you might say, "Let me take you to the back. We're going to have a good time." I was about to say that. I really, I was like, you know what? I feel like that line definitely works a lot better because like, hey, would you like a dance? Or how about like, I want to dance for you. Let's yes. go to the back and I'm going to show you my pussy. Yes. And you're going to love it. Yes. And when you mm. show up in that confident energy, like that's what people want. They want to trust you. They want to feel confident in you. They want to feel like they know what they're doing. They're the professional I don't have to worry or think about a thing. I can just go with them and they're going to take care of it. Whether it's your sex educator work or my coaching work or clients or customers in the club, it's all the same. Showing up as the most confident energy of like, listen, I got you. This is going to be the best. Trust me. (laughs) Whichever work you go into, do it with your best energy. And you don't want to go in to like the office or the club or the studio being like, all right, let's all get this done. Yeah. It's just like, (laughs) oh, God, I feel like I want to like start cutting out black snowflakes out of this cardboard paper. Just like, huh? Yeah. It's it's weird. Well, that, that kind of energy, like... You know what? You're sad, but this is work. Let's all be professional and keep your trauma to yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I totally understand. And it's like that confidence that you bring out into the world, it's going to come back to you. Totally. In good energy. And the money comes later. The more you have fun with yourself and the more you have fun with your work, the money's just going to flow right back. Totally. It's just the universe rewarding you for being your most authentic self. A hundred percent. I made so much more money. I made like twice the amount of money in half the amount of time in my last four years of dancing than I did in my first first... four years. Because of that simple shift in energy where I just showed up as like the most purposeful stripper ever. I was like, I don't know who I'm going to meet tonight, but they're going to have the most amazing time they're going to leave with their lives changed. They're going to love me. Like I'm just going to be a bright light of energy. Like no matter who I'm talking to, I'm going to connect with them and I'm going to make them feel comfortable and cared for. And they're, like, they're going to feel like we are best friends. We're They're going to feel like we're, we're sexy besties. <laughs> just like in uh, Hustlers when Jennifer Lopez was like, doesn't money just make you want to come? Like, oh, yes. Whoever said that money can't buy happiness has never had money. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) They've clearly never had to roll around in a pile of cash. Because that, I tell you, is that, yeah, like, there was this one daddy who literally, like, got $100 bills and wanted me to roll around in it with him. And I was like... I don't even need anything else right now. Like, oh, yes. I love it. It's so fun. I know there's totally times where I miss like counting money. (laughs) Right? When you're in the back in the locker with your other girls, just like one, two, three, four hundred. Got it. And that was just in my first song, girl. It's so Mm. fun. Oh, my God. I feel like the camaraderie within 
uh, strippers in the back. You're all like so cool. It's like, okay, you better watch out for uh, that guy in table 12 because he's real sketchy and like avoid him. He's not going to pay. He's not going to tip. Ugh. And those are the worst kind of customers too who just sit around and like don't do shit. Bring tips. I remember, well, first of all, stripper camaraderie is the best. It's just, I have wonderful girlfriends in my life now, like really close, like soul sisters are amazing, like really good um, male friends. Like I have really good friends in my life, but like stripper camaraderie is just a different level. It's a different level. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like these are friends where you'd be like, hey girl, can you check my butthole really quick to see if I have any tissue hanging out before I go on stage? (laughs) Right? Like, uh, hey, how does my coochie smell from where you are right now? Good? So okay, good, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, when you want to add a little uh, cocoa butter or some butterscotch scent, just to really freshen up real quick before, you know. Next up to the stage, Megan Lane. <laughs> I remember there was this one customer, too. He had, like, I don't even know how much money he had. I want to say it was, like, $8 or $20 or something. And the dancers we're all like making fun of him the whole night because like literally the whole night he would just talk to all the girls and be like, Oh yeah, we're going to go get a dance and just lead them on and lead them on and then not get a dance, ew, but like keep ew. his money in his hand all night. So he thought he had money and was going to spend it. <laughs> and we were like making fun of him and laughing and we were like, Oh my gosh, there he is waving his money around. That he is not going to spend all really? night. <laughs> Thank you are Ugh. like what, you know, when you go into a strip club, you don't have to, dance with every single dancer like pick a few and tip them and then call it a night right totally you don't have to burn your wallet to enjoy the strip club holy shit just go in pay one dancer for a private and then be on your way totally Uh, that's so frustrating and i've seen all the horror stories from like being around strippers and having a lot of stripper friends it's it's weird i've heard it all it's it's oh yeah there's all kinds of stories we should make a coffee table book of like stripper stories to be honest yeah you know um (laughs) what's that instagram account exotic cancer oh yes oh so good she has a coffee table book about the horror stories of stripping oh my gosh so so funny when uh strip when uh, customers say things like you remind me of my daughter ew (laughs) no oh god we should not be getting a dancer (laughs) yeah no that is weird you want to take me Uh, where no vip for you tonight (laughs) yeah no thank you oh my gosh oh my god so this is and this entire experience, Megan, is just so lovely. It's so enlightening. Um, how do you find this balance between your work in sex work and like the things that you want in your life? Because sex work takes a lot out of you, but you also have to have time for yourself. So what do you tell clients who are like struggling to find that balance? How do you give yourself more time? That is a very, very good question. I love that. Um, When I was dancing, what really worked well for me was having a consistent and regular schedule and not overworking myself. So there was never the, there was never room for like, oh, I'll just work whenever because I knew when I was going to work. It was every Friday and Saturday night. I was like, those are the nights that I work. I have set aside. 
if a night rolls around where I'm just really, really not feeling it and I really like need a night off for mental health or whatever, like I'll give that to myself. But I never felt guilty about it because I was so consistent and would just show up for it. And so the rest of the week was really my time to take care of myself. So every Sunday after I would work a Saturday night, I would take Sunday and just relax. And I would just do whatever felt good on a Sunday afternoon, go grab a coffee, go take a walk, get myself lunch, read, take a nap, whatever. Like Sunday was just my day to like really like unwind and relax and like enjoy myself. And then during the week, it kind of depended because the last four years, I also was working other jobs while I danced as well. So you know, some some of the time I was working, but then in the last, I would say one year or so, like leading up to quitting, that's when I really started working on getting my shit together to become a coach. So that's when I would spend, during the week, I would spend time on studying, practicing, um, learning new things, learning marketing, learning sales, learning tech, like really just learning all of the things that I needed to learn to set me up for success when I decided that I was ready to be a coach. And I feel like that was the best time for me when I felt like I was, when I had a consistent schedule with work, I had my Sunday to take time for myself. And then during the week, I would spend time working on my dreams. That really filled me up so much. So I think having that balance, like having that consistency where you know, this is your time to work. You're not going to force yourself to work, you know, just any old time, like you're going to take time off. You're going to create a consistent schedule for yourself so that you know what to expect. There's routine. And as much as routine can be boring sometimes, we're also very much so creatures of habit. And I think we really thrive when we know what to expect as humans because that's what like our primal brains want is like- We love patterns. We love patterns and we love safety. And I find that we can create that sort of sense of knowing what's ahead and that sense of knowing what to expect- by creating habits and routines for ourselves and not to a super rigid degree. Cause like, you know, I take days where I do different things, but like having a sense of like internal stability, I think really helps. And then taking enough time for self care in the sense of eating right, drinking enough fluids, taking care of your body, getting massages, taking Epsom salt baths, but also self care in the mental and emotional health. So looking at how do you talk to yourself? Are you kind to yourself? Do you honor your word to yourself? Do you stick to your goals? Do you stick to your routines? So I think that really all of those things are super helpful in creating that balance because we're taking care of ourselves. We're taking care of our work life. We're taking care of our self-care. We're taking care of our mental and emotional health. And we're showing up for our goals and our dreams. Oh my God. Uh, because you got to take care of yourself before you go to work because you always come first. Uh, love that so much. I feel like, you know what? That's a great way to give a message to anyone listening. But um, if anyone hasn't caught on to anything that we've been saying this last hour or so, do you have something to give the listeners to take away home tonight, Megan? Just like, uh, 
few wise words, some thoughtful tips for anyone that's in the sex work industry that you want them to carry with them to the world? Mm. Number one, you are worthy and lovable and valuable no matter what, always. There is nothing that can make you less worthy and lovable and valuable. And I would argue that there's nothing that can make you more worthy and lovable and valuable. You just are and you always will be. No matter what your job title is or your bank account or your relationship status or what anybody thinks of you, doesn't matter. You are always lovable and worthy and valuable And if you don't believe that, just believe me and hear my voice in your head from now on. (laughs) Megan said. (laughs) (laughs) Megan said so. So fucking believe her. (laughs) And the other thing too that I would say is your potential and the possibility for your life is completely open for creation. That you are not stuck in any place you don't want to be in. You're not limited in any capacity there's always room for growth and possibility to happen. And we are always capable. We just have to do the legwork to figure it out. In the wise words of one Hannah Montana, life's what you make it, so let's make it rock. Yes. (laughs) I love that you quoted Hannah Montana. (laughs) She's my favorite pop star. Oh, my God. Hannah Montana crawled so Miley Cyrus could run. Oh my God, Megan, you're such a fucking pleasure to talk to. You're so great. So full of wisdom. You're so full of knowledge. I can't get enough of you. The listeners are not going to get enough of you either. So why don't you make like a butt and plug away anything (laughs) that you want people to find you? (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Well, first of all, I have to say the feelings are so mutual. You're just such a joy. And it's just so great to connect with you. And super fun and i can't wait to have you on my podcast too Ooh, come here yes. and be there <laughs> so if anyone wants to find me you can find me on my podcast which is the stripper life coach podcast which is on apple itunes podcasts spotify and any other platform that you get your podcasts on and also you can find me on instagram the stripper life coach i put a little period between each word in the stripper life coach but uh, I think if you just type the stripper life coach, you'll find me easy. And I'll put it all in the show. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Megan, thank you so much for coming on to my show. You are so amazing. And for all the listeners that have made it this far into this chaotic episode, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sex Edmonton podcast. And I will see you at the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at Sex Ed with Tim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah!